We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm-hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Wait, is Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The <laughs> Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week we are talking about Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, which Scott and I have talked about in the past on the Reddit Horror Club, but it felt like it was time that we gift this conversation to you guys <laughs> to on you. the Horror Movie Night. No, feed. this gift is truly for us. <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, it's been, there's been a lot over the last couple months of just trash that we've watched. And, and sacrificed our eyes to. So I welcomed this with open arms, fully embracing. Brian, yeah, what did you think of the movie? I don't think it's a very good movie. I well, think no, it's, it's not a good movie. It's an awesome movie. <laughs> I think it, we get it. You're a hussy. Let's move on. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have that much fun. I'm not gonna Is lie. This, this, this isn't your first watch. No, 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 no. So what, what's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I liked it as a kid. I just, it was dumb. There was like a few, there was a few dumb things that made me laugh. I, and it wasn't painful to watch. It just wasn't a good movie. I just wasn't, I didn't, I didn't find it that funny. And the things that I did find funny, I shouldn't have found funny. Like when she said, uh, pretty much tells high schooler she's going to kill herself. And, <laughs> and says, uh, you know, if they ask what's remembering me by, just tell them these two simple words. I don't care what they are. Just make sure they're simple. That's I, a fucking great line, dude. I, I, I said that's so what good. made me laugh. Yeah, that's so. You're basically saying this movie is entertainment. That's all that I need to know. Yeah, yeah. So um, you can you can drop off the call now, and then Matt. And I can just have a good time. This is some fun facts real quick. We'll knock these out real quickly and then we'll talk about it. But I'm scrolling through the IMDb trivia, which, as we know, is sometimes a wasteland. But a few things that jumped out at me that are interesting fun facts. Number one, in 1986 and 1987, Marvel Comics released a magazine-sized comic book adaptation of the film. Huh. Good on you, Marvel. 
Another one is after Cassandra Peterson made a small cameo role in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, her good mm-hmm. friend Paul Rubens wanted to return the favor, but unfortunately, his film Big Top Pee-wee was filming the same time as hers. So I'm curious who Pee-wee would have played in this movie. She also, because of Paul Rubens, wanted Tim Burton to direct the movie, but he was in the middle of making Beetlejuice at the time. Mm. And then this one just caught me off guard. This is RuPaul's favorite movie. Oh, oh, Ru, I, I, yeah. I appreciate that. F- 43 out of 52 people found that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> lots of lots of drag race uh, lovers that are checking the IMDb trivia page. Yeah. And like, I kind of get what Brian's saying. I love this movie. I really love this movie. But I love the movie so much that I actually forgot to write notes for larger portions of it because I just kept getting sucked I into it. I didn't fucking have to write notes. I've seen this yeah. movie like 60 times at least. But I think that this movie is not a movie trying to be a movie. Is, no, is, it's, just, it's just a joke. It's just jokes, man. It's yeah, it's fun. just set up for gags. And that's the thing is people forget that Cassandra Peterson and Paul Rubens are friends because they both went to the same sketch comedy. The Groundlings. Troupe. Yeah, they were part of the Groundlings. So it makes a ton of sense. It's weird because people don't think of it in this same way. But you have to look at stuff like Elvira and Pee-wee's Big Adventure in the same lens that you look at something like A Wet Hot American Summer, where it's not a parody film and it's not a sketch film in the way that you think of like Kentucky Fried Movie or Mm. like these films where it's literally like sketch, 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 sketch. But in the sense of it's a it's a feature film that's written with the brain of these are just bits to get us through the (laughs) storyline. Yeah. And, and, And to show off the character. Yeah, and I think it's great for that. Like, I think there's there's so many... Like, I love that it starts with the old film stock playing the... Uh, I believe the movie is... It's not a thing from another world, uh, but uh, some it's a similar title to that. I think it's It Conquered the Earth or something like that. I was going to ask you that because I wasn't sure if it... Um, That's a real movie, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know. It looks kind of well done. Like, it looked like someone was trying to make it look like a 50s movie but look like it was later on. So I guess good on them. The funny thing, so I haven't really watched this with a a true lens like ever. I wouldn't say that I did that this time either, but um, I did notice some fun shit. Like in her dressing room in that scene, the monster on the campus poster that's behind her, which I didn't realize this, but fucking like five, six years ago, um, I used that for the first Survivor Girl album's uh, release show, I changed the poster, actual writing on it, to be the, you know, like the poster for the, the, the show. But I thought that was a fun little thing that was, I guess, somewhere back in my subconscious that I didn't know about. <laughs> well, and Brian, to answer your question, the movie was called It Conquered the World. But apparently it didn't. Yeah, well, I will say, if you are look- if you want to pick a 50s black and white movie, it's only an hour and 10 minutes. So. <laughs> oh, you're speaking my language. <laughs> well, I already know but my double feature for that episode. You start off with It Conquered the World, and it's exactly the type of stuff that Elvira was playing on her show. It captures, it literally just picks up where her TV show left off. And then you've got this whole weird scene where she's <laughs> driving. Home, call me Longhorn. You're missing that part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you said she was a nympho. But here's <laughs> the best part about that is that so Elvira, you know, she started in the Groundlings in L.A., but she was also really big in the gay scene culture of the 70s is really what 
and, and the punk rock scene really formed what she looked like and informed what she looked like and her kind of her attitude. And well, that's the thing, because she, she's basically a she's a valley girl horror icon. She's which a valley is like, girl vampire, you know, yeah. like, but I, lo- I love the fact the gay man, uh, maybe a drag queen. I can't remember. And I, I Megan and I were looking like last night to see if there's anything on her Wikipedia. To, to, I mean, I've I've read about it, but I could not find the, the name or all the specific information, but the man that designed Elvira basically like, cause Cassandra Peterson had I, I, like a, a nucleus of the character. And then she had this friend of hers turn it into a full fledged act or, you know, like visual representation. And um, I love that because Elvira is so like, okay, so Cassandra Peterson was nude and hustler way before Elvira came out. So like she owns her sexuality and that guy is like, I thought she was an info. She's like, I don't have to take this from any of you. Like, I love that about Elvira as a character. And I never quite understood that as a child. When I was watching this, I was like, she's fucking hilarious. You know, I didn't say fucking because I was a kid. God, I think I found what you were looking for, by the way. It said uh, on our wiki, it says producers left it up for her to create the role's image. Her and her best friend, Robert Redding, came up with a sexy punk vampire look after producers rejected her original idea to look like Sharon Tate's character in the fearless vampire kill. Yep. That that it was that that guy's name that we were looking for. But I did know that she wanted to originally look like Sharon Tate. But that's part of her humor. But I just I love that Elvira is like challenging the people around her to stare at her boobs. But she's also like not letting you see her as a sexy thing it's just she's very very i love that it's very well it's very feminist it's it's yeah. it's this very i like that she has this aspect of like i'm proud of my body but just because i'm showing off my body does not give anybody the right to touch me without my consent and like to think about that conversation in 1987 is very progressive and like sadly a conversation that still needs to happen in 2020 but like (laughs) like it's dope that even back then there were people that were riding hard on that i'm gonna jump ahead just because it's it's the line that scott and i probably quote more than anything it is my favorite line (laughs) in the whole movie and it's the one dorky thug type character sitting at the bowling alley reading a spider-man comic and he goes oh well i'm sure they must think we're real idiots or something. Like, this is going to hurt Spider-Man. He's got radioactive blood. (laughs) And like Scott and I have had those conversations about movies in the past. So if there was ever a character that represented horror movie night (laughs) as a whole, it's that guy bitching about the lunch. Damn it. (laughs) We get this scene where she finds out that some, one of her relatives have died and she has to go to the will reading. And just the scene of her driving to the town has like, four or five different dark humor gags, be it her like... You forgot your, you forgot the hatchet or whatever. Yeah, yeah like her picking up a, a hitchhiker who's clearly a serial killer and then throwing his hatchet at him and killing him. Or like stopping at a gas station and warning the guy like that smoking will kill him and then the whole gas station explodes in the rear view as she drives away. Like it's just filled with all these quick zingers and i don't th- i i know this is like one of scott's favorite movies i don't think that it this is. is better better at doing this and Wee's big adventure are very similar movies in what they're trying to do i think that Wee's big adventure is a better film all round damn right it is i also think that Wee's big adventure is more of a horror film than this is because that movie scarred the shit out of me 
And that's what I mean. It's it is a very scarring movie, and it's it's similar to what I always say. Like Pee Wee's Big Adventure is the exact same thing that I say about watching like Clerks and Mallrats. Is like it doesn't matter how far Kevin Smith has come from the person that I've loved, Kevin Smith. It's crazy watching those early movies for Kevin Smith, Clerks and Mallrats for Tim Burton, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and Beetlejuice. And just seeing the little pieces of what would become like the thing that they do all the time, but seeing it when it was still like they weren't confident in it enough to go all out. So it'd just be like these little peppered in things or be like, eh, maybe for just this one nightmare scene, we'll do like some wacky, you know, German expressionism sets. And then it's like 20 years later, it's like German expressionism everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it sounds like when he talks. (laughs) So, like, I love watching, like, Pee-wee's Big Adventure for that. And I think that that's one of the downsides with Elvira is that, as far as I know, it's not a director that, like, really left a huge stamp. So, like, there's not... It feels like a good movie, but doesn't feel like a movie that that has this, like, other aspect going into it that Pee-wee's Big Adventure has, where it's like, no, it, it's not just a Pee-wee Herman movie, but you're also seeing, like, what would become a Tim Burton movie. And looking at this dude's filmography, it looks like he just exclusively directed sketch stuff. Everything on his directed list is like the best of Phil Hartman, SNL, the bad boys of SNL, the best of Mike Myers. Like he he just got pulled. Oh, and he directed the second Police Academy movie. Is that the one where they introduced the robot talking guy? No, no, he was he's there from day one. But he was the movie that just birthed so many horror movie night films. He was the cameraman on Phantom of the Paradise. Nice. Too bad that he didn't get to ride that Brian De Palma train. Yeah, it says, well, let me correct that. Special photography for wedding scene. So I guess he shot the last, like the, he helped with the filming of that big crazy wedding scene at the end of the movie. Yeah, so you don't Um, get to ride the Brian De Palma train there. No, no, no. You showed up and worked a day or two. (laughs) Brian De Palma doesn't know who the fuck you are. He's not going (laughs) to cast you as Carrie. (laughs) (laughs) But there's like, most of my notes are just quotes from the movie, which is fun. One of the lines that is so stupid, but made me laugh way too loud is when she gets into a fight and yells, I cut you, man. Because it's so <laughs> random. Like, it, it has no place in the movie. And it makes me laugh because it's so random. And then, you know, we've talked about the sexual innuendo of just like her talking to all the teenagers and being like, well, just grab a tool and start banging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it's also funny because she says that shit. She's oblivious. Yeah. She's like <laughs> super so oblivious to the fact that she's a sex symbol, which is. Just but another layer. Doesn't that bother anyone? Is that, am I the only one no, that's bothered it's, it's by how contradicting she is? <laughs> like, that's the thing is like, I'm I like, think that for, this is like, Brian's problem though. Yeah. No, like, Brian, oh. your problem is because women are confusing enough already that you don't need another <laughs> one. Yeah. You're like, well, all these mixed signals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First she says no, then she says no, thank you. Sorry, pick that up. Uh, some great songs in the movie too. I might. Like- oh, oh! Can we talk about one song that really kicks off the great songs? That chicken fried steak song at the at the gas station. <laughs> chicken fried steak, peas and corn, and chicken fried steak. I don't know. 
It's basically like I didn't look at the the um, song credits, but I would be damned if that's not a Reverend Horton Heat song. I think that it's just some random ass novelty 50 song in the same vein as Bread and Butter, which I forgot about until the other day. And man, what a song. I don't know that song. I don't care. Oh, about you that know song. it. I like bread and butter. Oh, God. Fuck you. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> this song has like, it's got like a version of I Put a Spell on You, which as I've said, I've Not literally loved every version that I've version. heard. Uh, mm. Not the best one, but it's a, it's a version. But it also has what I think is like a very underrated 50 song that was getting a lot of play at this time because it appeared in this and Hairspray and a few other movies but Town Without Pity is such a good song oh yeah dude that song should have been on your Lady Killers EP honestly I would have looked the shit out of you covering fuck well I guess I gotta do a 50s uh, a 50s cover (laughs) uh, album now Um, yeah fucking dude I'm I'm, I'm writing that down (laughs) (laughs) and I love it in this movie where it's like her just desperately trying to get a job and it leads into oh oh my god I know Look, I'm in show business. I know that you spelled matinee wrong. And then it's like, it says how to fuck. Like, yeah, it's supposed to say how to duck call. Brian and I probably have a similar origin story of seeing this movie because this was like our Uncle Craig. We've talked about Uncle Craig a bunch. Mustache our Uncle. Un- our Uncle Craig loved Elvira. And when I say like loved Elvira, he had both Elvira pinball machines in his house and we oh, played shit. them constantly. But we would like... This was like one of those movies that I remember putting on all the time in the basement. It must have been like the 50th time watching that movie when I finally got the how to fuck joke. <laughs> that joke I was is like, so funny. Dude, I was like that eight the laugh. first time I saw it. Yeah. Oh, it's so especially like the secretary from Ferris Bueller Day Off's reaction to everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chastity Pariah. Is yeah. This movie has been so, on such a pedestal for so long for me and I haven't seen it. Like the last time I saw it doesn't count because I slept in my car for two hours and then came to Scott's house. Yeah. And that was like the last time I really saw it. I didn't pay attention to most things. Funny, not to get sidetracked, but I did come across, I guess we had our anniversary of that night. So I came across it on my time hop and it was like the list of movies you're watching. And I was like, man, I don't remember watching any of these. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because to be fair, at one point, I'm pretty sure that we went out and did a photo shoot while Event Horizon was playing, and people just looked at an empty couch. Yeah, and I went to lunch, and I took a nap. Yeah. yeah it's funny because you like had lunch and then went to lunch, and I was like, man, that dude likes to eat. And, yeah, and then you met him again, and you're like, oh, yeah, no, he definitely likes to eat. <laughs> yeah. No, well, and like, here's the thing that I want to really make sure that we do is... Of all the times that we've done the live stream, easily all of us being in the same room was the most fun. It was the it was the most goofy and like having like the revolving door of people. So like my dream is that by the next big anniversary for us, for our like 300th episode, which I can't believe that we've done a podcast where that's like not an unreasonable Feasible, statement. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, well, we're already at like 265 right now. So why not just go up to at least 300? By then, I hope that I have my own place. We can like hang out for the weekend and just have like a revolving door of like the Jersey Ghouls popping in and like Kyle coming down from Connecticut and just like have as big of an a Beats Creeps live stream as we can for a day. Like, because I think that that would be fun. And also having extra people would allow for people to like, 
go and lay down for a little bit. <laughs> like it's not just hinging on three people on webcams keeping the energy up for 12 hours. Hey, Brian, you got uh, about 40 episodes to figure out an excuse. Uh, Matt's got about 40 episodes to move out. And if that happens, I will commit. <laughs> Son of a bitch. He fucked us good. <laughs> he got me. Son of a bitch. <laughs> we got to. Okay. So the how to, so that the how to fuck scene leads into Elvira getting the idea that she can help save the movie theater by doing what she used to do on her TV show at the theater. And she, she's so like Brian, Brian and Scott have both said in different ways. She's so out of the loop and stupid. About she's not. Things. She's not, dude. <laughs> but like, she's like walking around and she's like trying to tell kids about the movie. And she's like, and this movie's like bad. And I don't mean like, ooh, yeah, I'm bad. <laughs> like, like that uh, doesn't. She does the Michael Jackson reference. Yeah, that she's dumb in aspect. It's, <laughs> it's the, I like, I, I think that's what confuses me about her. Is like, sometimes she's like, okay, she has no idea how many sex, sexual innu- innuendos she's saying. And then she's Other trying to she's spell her house. Doing she's them. like, I'll bend over backwards. I'll bend over forwards. Or yeah. <laughs> I've never I've never turned down a friend. Or a stranger for that matter. Or, yeah. You know? You know, she's a hussy. She's not oblivious. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Listen, I, can, I, ha- I have met her. I got to put my arm around her waist. She is a fucking... Legend she is a gem and a gem. She's an uncut gem. Um, <laughs> I don't know why she a gem just fuck. feels like such an insult to me. <laughs> like, like I know that it's a compliment, but it sounds so sarcastic whenever anybody, but specifically, oh, it's Brian like the fucking. It. It's the bless your heart of Pennsylvania, apparently. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You are a gem, Matt, and I meant that. Uh, but yeah, so she brings them all in to watch a uh, future horror movie night pick when we really run out of ideas. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, which is just. I went through such a man, this movie sucks into, wow, I really do love Attack of the Killer Tomatoes over the last decade. They show some of the highlights of that movie, specifically what is clearly giant paper mache tomatoes sitting on carts and just being pushed at people. You know, I think I just realized something about my life that I never quite pieced together. So... Was there, there was an Attack of the Killer Tomatoes TV uh, cartoon, right? Yes. It's so wild that there were these trauma cartoons, right? Yeah. Like uh, that and Toxic Crusaders. Well, um, well, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is not trauma. It's worth noting on that. Oh, okay. um, that's why I asked you that. Matt, now I feel stupid because I was asking it in such a way because I was saying, is it a trauma flick? It is not. It is not. It is one of those weird, but it was like a weird thing for them to make a 90s cartoon out of or a late 80s cartoon out of because Attack of the Killer Tomatoes was 1977. And then they did a sequel in like the mid 80s. That that, actually the sequel was probably the reason why they had the cartoon, right? Well, but it wasn't a popular sequel. So here's the thing with the sequel. It is absolutely what inspired the cartoon. In the sequel, Return of the Killer Tomatoes, which stars George Clooney, Back when he was doing whatever the fuck he would do uh, to get money. That introduces all of the elements that pop up in the cartoon. So like a tomato that can be a woman, but if you get it wet, it turns into a tomato again. Or like a weird fuzzy tomato that they call FT that like talks that is like the friendly tomato 
that helps them fight all the other tomatoes or like the idea that these tomatoes can actually talk and have like their own language that can be learned. Um, all that became pieces of the animated show that aren't in the first movie. The first movie is literally just Jaws someone's tomatoes. Well, they're trying to do airplane. It's, it's in like a similar vein of like an airplane oh. movie where it's bad, but like, aware that it's bad so i just got distracted before you distract me i i need to get this poop out of my mind um so i was thinking about like okay i saw elvira mistress of the dark i believe that my dad's mom so my grandmother my paternal grandmother had taped this recordable vhs tapes that um i think i still have at my house at my parents house like it's probably buried somewhere like my, the original elvira that i watched i was obsessed with the idea of the killer tomatoes to the point for one year to the point where i dressed up as one for halloween <clears throat> and all that was was me in a red fruit of the loom sweat suit like sweatpants and a sweatshirt and then red makeup on my face and red in my hair. And I walked around getting candy, telling people that I was a killer tomato. Um, I <laughs> wonder if the nucleus of that idea was because of watching Elvira. It's very possible. Do you guys remember Little Shop? Because I'm too young to remember it. No, there was a Little Shop of Horrors animated series, though. Because the, the animation looks so great. Because when Scott brought up Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, I just got distracted. And I was seeing all the TV shows based off of weird horror movies like Starship Troopers. Um, what? It looks yeah. a little bit later. but So I wanted to know if you watched Little Shop. And then I guess this never came in, like actually made it to TV. But they made an Aliens cartoon. And the picture what? of it looks... Awesome. It well, looked like the, everything I'd want. The Aliens cartoon was why there was Aliens action figures. That was actually supposed to be a tie-in to a Saturday morning kids cartoon that never happened. Mm -hmm. huh. Yeah. Uh, so, Brian, I think I just remembered the first time you and I ever knew of Elvira. Do you remember, and you may have been really young for this, but... Yeah. We're being babysat at uh, Uncle Craig's. That's the first time I remember watching it. So that was the first time I watched it. But I remember the first time I heard of it was that mom taped Young Frankenstein off of TV for us. And we had the VHS tape of Young Frankenstein with all the commercials. And I there was an advertisement for, I guess, like the following week they were going to show Elvira. And I was like, what is this? Because it just showed like the, the monster in the pot. The casserole, yeah, yeah, yes. the casserole monster, and it. I remember her looking at the camera and being like, "Looks like Gumby on steroids," which is like early on yeah. in the movie. But I was like, "What is this?" And it also showed her breaking the chains with her boobs. Those are like the three <laughs> scenes that they showed in this TV advertisement for Elvira. It was like a twenty-second ad, and I think that shortly thereafter is when Uncle Craig got like the pinball machine. I was like, "Oh, I want to. What is this Elvira thing?" Yeah, man, there's some there's some weird ass cartoons that were made for kids. Uh, so she does the Killer Tomatoes presentation. But the part that had me laughing the hardest, and I even was talking to Brian on the phone of like, I love this is such a Brian Kelly joke is her doing the flash dance backflips where it just keeps cutting <laughs> yeah, to, to, her her, to her head upside down with the big goofy smile on to make it appear like she's doing the backflips. 
times. So fucking funny. Oh my man. god. I could watch like, you know how they do those ten hour loops? Like <laughs> someone, if someone did a ten hour loop of that, I think I'd find it funny for at least thirty or forty minutes <laughs> before wow, I'd be like, all right, Matt. it's time to it's time to move on. We've been in quarantine <laughs> for too fucking long, my friend. Yeah, oh, for sure. But yeah, the highlight of this movie is always going to be that casserole monster. That oh, thing is a, I was, is a fucking thing of beauty. I if, if I had free time right now, I would try to make a puppet, like to mold that into like that as a puppet, because I love that prop so much. How dope would that be to have it like a at like a monster mania or something at our table? Yeah, just a yeah, just I a would pot. love to have that. And like when people open up the lid, we'll just pop it. <laughs> <laughs> like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> oh my I mean, god! That, this movie has everything that I could ever want. It has a beautiful woman with dark hair and blue eyes. It has a monster, and then it also has a lot of humor and boobs. It basically it, well, well, I'm trying to be like respectful here because Elvira doesn't give a fuck if you think that she's sexy. She wants you to think that she's funny and respect her for her humor, which I'm doing. Fair enough. I appreciate that. I was just talking about things that Scott loves, <laughs> not necessarily what this movie uh, is. Backtrack, backtrack. Backtrack, backtrack, backtrack. Uh, another part that I actually forgot about and got a good chuckle out of me is towards the end of the movie where she goes to shoot magic out of her ring and it just floats directly off of her finger onto her uncle's finger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, but man, when, joke- when her uncle is like he's kind of zombified and he's got after she puts her shoe her heel into his forehead that scared the piss out of me as a child like that is more traumatizing and more peewee's big adventure in my nostalgia for the movie or like you know memory of this movie than the um casserole monster and i don't understand why yeah i mean because i think the casserole monster like it's cool looking, but like, let's be honest, it's not that far off from something that you would have seen in Labyrinth. But like, seeing Fair, a dude okay. with a shoe with a shoe in his head is like a whole other circumstance. <laughs> but she gets the money that she wants. She gets to put on her big Las Vegas show. I always turn it off at that part. I don't, oh, you really don't watch the strip tease at the end. No, you don't or stick around for the monster for for her rap. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's the fucking rap. Um, that's what's just so funny is that, like, I've always hated the end of this movie. I mean, and it's not because I, I don't love Elvira and not because I don't love this movie, but rather because it's, like, anticlimactic. Even as a child, I was like, you know, even it's, it's for lack of a better word, titillating. Uh, and that's the point. But at the same time, like, this doesn't do anything for me. It never did. Don't mind me. I'm trying to find the lyrics to the rap. Please don't. I'm back in black, so you better stay back. You might get motion sickness or a heart attack. I can really wrap up with swelling in your pocket. Make your eyeballs drop right out your socket. I'm rough. I'm tough. I'm woman enough, so get ready. I'm going to do my stuff. I can take it. I can shake it. I can cook it. I can bake it. If I don't have a recipe, I'll fake it. I'm a volcano that's ready to blow. Look out, y'all, because here I go. Beautiful. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I like the part where I asked you not to, and you completely <laughs> ignored my request. Uh, like, this is my pick. It's not all you about you, it. Scott. It's, it's for, the, it's for it what is. the people demand. It is. When it's it's my crowd, pick. The crowd's saying, Matt, read the rap. <laughs> Just and like I said, you I were hear you, Tom. I'll do Tom it. <laughs> 
you're singing the town without pity like you're you're taking all the things that i ask you not to do and you're doing them i'm sorry we're making an ad napping ad this is where i think if we're doing it right alec baldwin comes in he says a couple things mm. he listens to the podcast every week yep. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The <laughs> Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the That's ad. The That's the ad. That's the ad. It is mind-blowing and heartbreaking how many original scripts are written every year but are never made. So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! All right, Scott, what's your double feature? The Monster Squad. Were they the same year? <laughs> they might have been the same year. Same year, same year. The Casserole Monster kind of looks like the Gill Man. Yeah, no, I think that's a good double feature. How about you, Brian? How about you? What would you, you uh, double feature? You go feature? first. You go first. I uh, have to stew on it. And I like to steal. I like to piggyback off you two to make my decision. So this is a movie about a woman who comes to a very conservative town and makes them, through her presence, open up to new ideas. So I'm going to watch Footloose after I watch <laughs> Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. You just needed an excuse to watch fucking Footloose, dude. God, I love Footloose so much. I mean, I love Footloose too. I don't, don't get me wrong, but um, uh, that's a weird double feature. That's just a weird flex. What a soundtrack. What a soundtrack. Beat by beat, it hits the movie. Elvira does a flash dance scene and mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon angrily dances in a warehouse. <laughs> like, Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I, I truly get it. I just... There was a it's deleted a scene in Footloose where Kevin Bacon rapped at the end of the movie and they're like, let's cut that. And, you know, in this movie, they forgot to cut that. Are you serious? According to the commentary track, yes. But it led to the re- when they cut it. They so originally there was a actual musical number rap sequence when they're sitting up, why? setting up for the dance. Fucking why? And someone's like, this movie doesn't have musical numbers like it has music in it. We should just do a montage scene. And that led to Kenny Loggins, they had to call up Kenny Loggins. Was like, we need you to write a song like real fast. And he wrote what I think is the best song on the soundtrack. I'm free. Heaven help us, which is like such a fucking jam. It's not Footloose. That's the song everyone remembers, but it's a good ass song. And that became the montage song. All right, Brian, how about you? I'm just going to go Beetlejuice. All right. There we yeah. go. All that time, all that waiting. Just Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Oh, no, no. Hey, how you doing? We'll be back to this week's episode, but first let's talk about our sponsor this week, Best Fiends. Summertime is winding down, and I cannot wait for the winter to come and get rid of the slugs that have been crawling all over my pavement and lawn. Frankly, I hate slugs, and that's why I enjoy the relaxing puzzle game that is Best Fiends. In Best Fiends, you can build a squad of five charming bugs with special sets of skills and have them eradicate the slugs 
by the dozen. It's the perfect game to play against friends or to pass your workday or to play when you're recording a particularly boring podcast. Not talking about this one, maybe, probably, definitely am. But don't just take my word for it. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. And now... Back to the show. Uh, all right. So, Scott, what is something that you watch that you want to give the old thumbs up to? So, I watched not one, but two horror docs. Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, the Mark Patton story, um, is on Shudder. And I finally got around to watching it. And I loved it. I guess it's a good documentary because it is kind of an unflinching look at an imperfect person. Uh, Mark Patton is a sad man. And, you know, like, I, I like the fact that they didn't focus too much on dramatizing or not uh, injecting more, like, sadness into his fall and more just kind of, like, talking about it logically. Um, so Or, you know, chronologically. And, and um, there are some things that they kind of stepped back from, which I kind of wish that they hadn't, like... Did I catch that he is HIV positive and is on medication for it? I assume that that's the case because his boyfriend was HIV positive. Right. But I like leads to at least the speculation that without saying it, it, that there's a good chance he could have contracted it as well. So is it confirmed that he. No, no, no. And I'm not trying to speculate. I'm not trying to make any rumors. I'm, I think that is a great film and I really enjoyed watching it. It then got me to finally break down and watch horror noir uh, because that's also on Shutter, and that was phenomenal. Really, really great representation uh, for that as well. Um, it kind of touched on a lot of the the reason I I didn't get to it until now was because I didn't really feel the desire to dis- to to take in any discussions about black exploitation because I've ne- I don't have an opinion about it. I just have never wanted to watch any because I don't really like exploitation in general and black exploitation always felt very like uneven and inappropriate in general, even though it was like a type of representation, it also felt like weirdly voyeuristic and fetishizing. And, and I mean, they talk about that. So really great. Um, I was very surprised to hear some of the things about Candyman in it. You guys have both watched it, right? I haven't yet. That's it's very high on my to watch list though. Uh, okay. I mean, I just- it's really good. Yeah, and, and that's what I imagine. It's it's one of those things where I'm like, I know that it's going to be great, and I'm looking forward to the day that I sit down and watch it, but I want to watch it when I can like really take it all in. I don't want it to be like background noise while I'm working. I don't want it to be something that I put on in between like doing movies for the podcast. So like now that you know, listeners don't really need to know this much, but you know, we're taking a little bit of a break recording because we've been just back cataloging like crazy during pandemic. So. When we come back to recording, I'll probably have seen it by then because I won't have all the other stuff. Yeah. I watched a very, very weird cartoon that's on Netflix uh, called The Wilbies. Have either of you watched this yet? No, but you haven't watched Upload, you prick. But anyway, go on. I didn't. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I was going to give the floor to you for upload. Uh, no, I got apologize. Um, so it's based on a book by the person who wrote the giver, 
but it's very Whoa. different. Yeah, it's very different in like every style imaginable. So it's Will Forte, Maya Rudolph, Terry Crews, Martin Short, uh, Jane Karatsky, and Ricky Gervais. And it's this weird, I thought for sure it had to be like a Tim Burton movie, uh, but it's not. And it's this weird like pseudo claymation CGI style. And it's about a group of four kids whose parents are just like the biggest douchiest pieces of crap. And they discover the concept of orphans and adoption and are like, well, if our parents die, then we can go to a better family. (laughs) And they get their parents as a wedding anniversary gift tickets to this like death trap world tour type situation and just patiently hope that their parents die and they can be like adopted into a better family. But it's just really goofy and weird and like the it's super dark, but it's very funny and it's everything that you would like want in a kids movie that is also entertaining for adults. Uh, so I, I highly recommend giving it a shot. It, it's it's good shit. Will Forte is so good as a voice actor. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Brian, so so I, I know we failed you. I will try to watch Upload before we record our next episode. I've got two months, so there's a good chance that that'll actually happen. <laughs> but what's something else you want to talk about? <laughs> so I watched two, two docuseries. One was a two-parter. The other was a four-parter, all about the same thing. It was a, it was a Jeffrey Epstein week. Um, oh yeah but but, uh (laughs) the one on id was the first one i watched it was okay it was very like forensic file ish but the one on fucking netflix is so good literally i would say at a minimum 80 percent of the people that are being interviewed are survivors and very minimal interviews with that with anyone else and one of the things about that case that i didn't know that i thought was like super cool and not common was obviously Jeffrey Epstein died in jail. We'll leave it at that. Right. No one knows what, what happened. He died in jail. He didn't kill himself though. He definitely did not. Um, (laughs) But anyway, so his, his attorneys, you know, when someone dies, you can't try them. So his attorneys are like, let's drop the case. And the judge said no and had all the victims take the stand, share their story and then drop the case because he didn't want to take away their right to to say what happened, which is not common practice, which is super fucking cool. And by doing that, they all, for the most part, became a lot of them became close and and stuff. And, you know, they share this common thing. And it's, and it's all because they met in that courthouse on that day after he died. What's what, what's what's it called? Uh, Filthy Rich. OK. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a uh, pretty new. I mean, at the time that we're recording this, if you have not yet, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, well, it, when it comes out, it's old. <laughs> yeah. When it comes out, it's like two months old. Also, at the time that we're recording this, the new season of Queer Eye just came out. Highly recommend it. All takes place in Philadelphia. Good shit. If you need something to lift your spirits after the depression that that Jeffrey Epstein documentary will induce in you, uh, you know, watch five really great human beings make people not hate their lives. All right, guys, we did it. I mean, for the listeners, they're just going to hear another episode next week. For, <laughs> us, for us, we're getting a, a very well-deserved break from watching trash movies. And uh, Except for this one wasn't trash. Except this for, this, no, except for this one. No, no, this was fantastic. Don't listen to Brian. Uh, but <laughs> we will be back next week with another episode of Hard Movie Night. Uh, you know, Scott may have thought 
that Attack of the Killer Tomatoes was a trauma movie. It isn't, but I did pick a trauma movie for next <laughs> week. So, so strap in for that, and we will be back with another episode of Horror Movie Night. listening to the Geekscape Network. We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm-hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> So, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad! That's the ad. That's the ad. It is mind-blowing and heartbreaking how many original scripts are written every year but are never made. So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! You're listening to the Geekscape Network.